You are listening to the Krika Lecture Series podcast, produced by the Center for Russia, East Europe, and Central Asia at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. This and other Krika podcasts are available on SoundCloud and iTunes. For more information about Krika's lecture series and public events, visit our website at krika.wisc.edu. This podcast episode is a recording of a virtual Q&A panel with alumni of the Central Eurasian Studies Summer Institute. This event took place on October 26, 2020, and featured SESI alumni Kiaya Gray, Katka Showers-Curtis, Stu McLaughlin, and Matt Brown. My name is Emily. I'm the SESI project assistant, and I use pronouns she, her, and hers. I'm going to give you a brief overview of the SESI program. So SESI is an eight-week intensive program. It runs during UW-Madison's eight-week summer course. So that means next summer it will take place from June 14th to August 6th. We normally teach elementary and intermediate courses in Kazakh, Tajik, Uyghur, and Uzbek. However, we base our courses based on student interest, and this uh, decision is made based on applications received by a priority deadline. So if you are interested in a particular less commonly taught language or in an advanced level class, be sure to apply by that deadline and to indicate that on your application. Similarly, if we don't have enough students interested in one of our normal languages, then we won't be able to offer that class that summer. Last year, the 2021 class size was between three and six students. And as I said, SESI is an intensive language class. And so classes meet for four hours daily, five days a week. And additionally, students usually spend two to three hours on their homework. You are receiving a full year of instruction in just eight weeks. Uh, in addition to these items, there are other cultural events like lectures and co-curriculars. And lastly, uh, something to keep in mind when we are in a virtual format, if we're in a virtual format, is that we follow standard business hours in U.S. Central Time. As I said, we have different cultural lectures and co-curriculars for SESI students. When SESI takes place in person, uh, these lectures are mandatory. Uh, but in the virtual format, you can choose two of your choice to attend over the course of the summer. The co-curriculars, on the other hand, are not mandatory, and these are a little more lighthearted, more fun. Uh, we have Tajik sing-alongs, and also there was a textile exhibit or a virtual tour, depending on the format. A full list of these events is on our website for resources for prospective students. Other resources for interested students on our website include the SESI Student Handbook and past syllabi from courses in uh, last summer. And other resources that are available to you as UW-Madison special summer term students, uh, you have access to all of the university's resources. So you that's everything from athletic facilities to international student services if you need a student visa and many more. There is a much longer list of these resources on our website and that list is not exhaustive, exhaustive of the resources available to you. Some resources which may be of particular interest in a virtual setting are the IT support services, access to various software and distance learning resources, and also university health services telehealth offerings, 
including the mental telehealth services. And something to note about the mental telehealth services is that these are available regardless of if you have UW-Madison health insurance. Uh, these are mental health services are covered by your segregated fees. So they're available to you as long as you are a UW-Madison student. So a brief overview of the timeline for applying. The, uh, there'll be another application info session during winter break covering in more detail how the application works, including different types of funding and how those applications work. Uh, we know that during winter break is generally when you might get to your applications for the summer. So you want to have some timely information for you. The priority application deadline is February 1st, 2021. And as I said, if you're interested in a particular language, be sure to get your application in by that time. This is also the deadline if you are interested in applying to the Title VIII Fellowship. The FLAST Fellowship application will open in mid-November and it will the deadline will occur in February, 2021. And finally, the very last day to apply to SESI for the remaining uh, spots open in the courses will be April 1st, 2021. This is a lot of information. And so if you would like to uh, be updated whenever we have applications opening or deadlines coming up or the info session is opening for registration, you can sign up to receive an email from me, the project assistant, uh, about the different deadlines that are coming up on our website. This is right on the homepage on the left side. And with that, I'm gonna turn it over back to Sarah. Thank you, Emily. Okay, my name is Sarah Linkert. My pronouns are she, her. I am the Assistant Director of the Center for Russia, East Europe, and Central Asia at UW-Madison, and I am the SESI Program Coordinator. So now I'm going to tell you a little bit about the cost and funding associated with SESI. Okay, so the tuition cost to attend SESI is $4,800. This does not apply to current UW-Madison, Wisconsin, and Minnesota resident undergraduate students. Um, the tuition does include segregated fees and cultural events. It does not include textbooks, living expenses, health insurance, or the new student document fee. What the new student document fee is, if you have never attended the University of Wisconsin before, you have to pay a one-time $65 document fee, and that covers all transcript requests you might have from now till forever. And if you attend, if you decide you attend SESI one summer and then you attended a different year, um, you don't have to pay that fee again. Or if you attend UW-Madison ever again, you, you don't have to pay that fee again. Um, and then there is a cost to apply, which is $25 um, just included with your application. It is our goal to make SESI as affordable as possible. If any of the aforementioned fees, the document fee or the application fee or a hardship, please reach out to us. Um, we will work on a solution that works in your best interest. And um, today we're gonna look at four funding sources that are available for eligible applicants. Students are also encouraged to explore alternative funding options available through their home institutions. So today we'll look at the Title VIII Fellowship, the Foreign Language and Area Studies Fellowship or FLAS Fellowship, the Wisconsin Intensives, Intensive Summer Language Institute Tuition Scholarship, and the SESI Tuition Remission Scholarship. The Title VIII Fellowship is offered in association with the U.S. Department of State. It covers full SESI tuition. It includes a living expense stipend of $2,500. And also, if the new student document fee applies to you, this fellowship will cover the $65 fee. 
Um, students who are eligible must be US citizens who are graduate students, post-baccalaureate scholars, or working professionals. Um, and the application is due February 1st, 2021, the same day as the priority deadline for the assessment application. Um, the Foreign Language Area Studies Fellowship is offered through the United States Department of Education. It covers full SESI tuition, a, it also the living expense stipend like the Title VIII Fellowship, and will also cover the new student document fee if applicable. It is available to US citizens and permanent residents. Um, undergraduates must be studying at the intermediate or advanced level of a language, but it is uh, graduate students are eligible at any language level. And the application will open, as Emily said, mid-November and will be due mid to early February 2021. Um, the Wisconsin Intensive Summer Language Institute Tuition Scholarship is offered through the Wisconsin Intensive Summer Language Institutes, or WISLI. It covers the tuition at SESI. It does not cover the new student document fee, and it does not include a stipend. Um, but anyone who is applying to a WISLI program, of which SESI is one, is eligible for this scholarship. So. Uh, you don't have to be a U.S. citizen, you don't have to be an undergraduate or graduate student, and the application will be due in spring 2021. And then finally, we have the SESI Tuition Remission Scholarship that is administered by CRECA, um, and this scholarship covers tuition remission of up to $4,000. So what that essentially means is it can reduce the cost of your attendance from $4,800 to $800. And it is also available to any, all SESI students, um, anyone applying to SESI. And it is awarded based on merit and availability of funding. And it will be due, uh, applications for tuition remission are also due on February 1st, the priority deadline. And um, I know we provided a lot of information in a short period of time and you probably have a lot of questions. Uh, we definitely encourage you to reach out to us if you want to know more about funding or about the program in general. As you can see, I'm the point of contact for a lot of these fellowships, the Title VIII Fellowship, the FLAS Fellowship, um, SESI Tuition Remission. So please uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can email us. Um, or visit our website. And Felicia Luck, who is the director of the Wisconsin Intensive Summer Language Institutes is actually in attendance today. So um, uh, is a great resource for information about the WISI Tuition Scholarship. Okay, and now we are thrilled to turn the floor over to our alumni panelists. Um, I'm going to start by having each of you introduce yourselves and just provide, just talk about the language and levels you studied and the modality, whether it was in, online or in person, and then what your area of focus is, what do you, was your specialization, um, and how does studying a SESI language um, contribute to your area of focus? And we'll start, I'm gonna, let's go clockwise. So we'll start with Kiaya, then Katka, then Matt, and then Stu. Okay, um, hi everybody. My name is Kiaya Gray. My pronouns are she, her. I studied um, Uzbek at SESI in 2020 this past summer and um, it was completely online. So I can talk a lot about how that was. 
Um, at the moment, I'm a graduate student at the American University of Central Asia in Kyrgyzstan. And so uh, learning Uzbek was pretty important for, you know, doing research in um, local languages. Um, yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Katka. My pronouns are Z here, here's. Um, I am a graduate student here at UW-Madison and I study language ideologies. Um, I studied Kazakh in 2019 in person and then in 2020 virtually. And it's really important for me because I'm planning to do dissertation research in Kazakhstan, um, looking at language ideologies as they relate to dialects. Hey, I'm Matt Brown, uh, he, him, his pronouns. Uh, I studied beginner Tajik um, summer 2019. Um, uh, which was great. Um, I had previous experience in other language programs. Um, I studied like Uzbek elsewhere, um, but I chose to do Tajik with Sesi. Um, uh, I'm a master's student studying Central Asian history. Um, and since participating in Sesi, I've been able to access way more things um, using Tajik, which has been great. Um, and I did it in person, not online. Uh, yeah. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us. Um, I wanted to just say I'm really grateful to uh, be speaking with everyone about uh, such a wonderful program. So my name is Jim McLaughlin, pronouns he, him, his. Um, I did a beginner from like starting from scratch to advanced Kazakh, both in person. And then I did intermediate to advanced Uyghur uh, online in, this past summer of 2020. I am a graduate student with the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at Stanford University. And I'm uh, working on a thesis regarding um, Kazakh multilingualism and identity. Thank you, everyone. So we already have a few questions. Um, so I'm gonna start with a question from Chloe. Does the program schedule permit students to have a job while attending SESI? Um, we, it's definitely going to be hard uh, to study at an intensive program and work at a job at the same time. I have done an intensive summer program while working in the past and it was it, it was very stressful and that was in person already. That wasn't necessarily an online online program, but I'm going to turn it over to the panelists and see, do any of you have any experience? Uh, what would you, it's not forbidden, but it's discouraged. I would say it just seems like it's hard. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. Um trying to have a job at the same time. Um, you know, it's with being in class several hours a day and having several hours of homework, learning something completely new. Um, I mean, I'm not saying someone couldn't, you know, uh, like Sarah was saying, but I, I personally wouldn't be able to imagine doing so. Um, and I don't think that's just SESI. I think that's any intensive summer language program, even um, you know, like being engaged in like thesis writing during this, I found myself with a lot less time um, outside of like focusing on the new things I'm learning um, to even get some of that done, um, which pays off ultimately later. Um, but to be able to hold down any sort of job, even part-time, unless you're like maybe working remotely a couple hours a day with someone, um, you know, something like that, but it, I just wouldn't be able to see that working out personally. 
Um, I can also add, like I did work um, just on the weekends during SESI. Um, our uh, classes are online. So I was able to kind of stay in my own home area and maintain all the other things going on. Um, but my part-time job was a really kind of simple thing. I was just kind of helping cleaning some medical facilities and some offices. So I think you can manage with, you know, this kind of job that doesn't require a lot of, um, you know, a lot of work or focus because you will be mentally exhausted by the end of the week or end of the day. Okay, next question. Thank you for your input. So we also have a question about if the program is moved to online for 2021, will the cost remain the same? Yes, the cost will remain the same. However, um, we do have very, as we talked about with the financial aid options today, we do have a lot of funding available for students. Uh, most students receive some form of financial aid. It, um, so I would definitely, even though the costs are steep, I definitely encourage you still to apply and to especially apply for financial aid because um, yeah, they're, the it's worth it. Um, and there's a lot of funding available. Sarah, could you, uh, could I chime in here? Would you yeah, mind? Absolutely. Sorry, I'm not sure if I, I turned off my video before. Anyhow, I'll just verbally introduce myself. I'm Jennifer Tischler. I'm the Associate Director of, oh, I will start my video. Um, Associate Director of CRECA, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And um, so I work in, uh, Sarah and Emily work in the day-to-day -day administration of the program. Uh, much more closely with the students and the instructors. And I'm uh, kind of at a different, uh, more in the administration and the financial. And I guess in the background to our answer is yes. And one reason that the costs remain the same, regardless of our modality, is that we are hiring really qualified instructors to teach these languages and their salaries should not change whether they're teaching online or face-to-face. -face. In many ways, I think that teaching online um, is even more of a time commitment and more of a challenge. And we saw that our instructors, uh, maybe here, you know, some of our 2020 alumni can chime in here, but I think that our instructors really gave it their all this past um, summer. And um, so that's one reason that regardless of the modality, um, you know, what are our expenses? We have some small administrative expenses, but really most of the income goes to paying the salaries of, um, of the instructors. And so we want to be sure that they're compensated uh, fairly for this. But as Sarah said, um, we have different types of scholarships available and we really encourage everyone, every uh, prospective applicant to, um, to explore all these sources of financial aid. Thank you. Does anyone else have any questions right now? Um, or if you want to uh, use the raise hand feature, we can let you turn on your microphone. Otherwise, oh, I see we have another question. Uh, what are some of the ways for an undergraduate to maintain their Kazakh after the program if they are not able to take it as an official class? I think that's a great question. Uh, Stu, go ahead. Hi, yes, I could actually um, put you or give out some helpful kind of, they're not just activism movements, but they're kind of like chats that are available on different social media platforms that offer I, even like Kazakh slang, for example, and they're actually looking for people to contribute content and media, uh, regardless of whether or not you are a native speaker, they're looking for Kazakh speakers of all levels. 
Um, that's actually not as hard um, to do as it might seem just because Kazakh is kind of, you know, thought of as this less than commonly taught language. I can put them in the chat. I'll do so right now. There's one activism movement called uh, Kazakh Shazaz. So like write Kazakh and they're actually a social media platform that look for volunteers to write respectful messages on the comment boards under social media platforms of companies in order to ask and request that they move their online interfaces to have a Kazakh language feature. That's an excellent option to actually practice your Kazakh writing, for example. Um, University of Wisconsin-Madison also has a lot of uh, cooperation with Nazarbayev University. Um, and because of that, they have alums of the summer programs in exchange that kind of remain connected with the university and you can reach out to them. And uh, they also do some kind of teaching programs, um, not with the university uh, officially though, but um, there, there's a large base of students who are willing to just speak uh, kind of an unofficial pen pal type thing. Um, and there's another one. So there's about, a, there's a list of three or four things that I'll write in the chat, but there are ways to do so. And I just wanted to mention, we'll send out a follow-up email with including some information like the handbook um, and uh, a link to this recording if you would like to view it again. And Stu, uh, maybe you can send us that information and we can include it in the follow-up. Thank you. Yeah, I would also recommend um, Kazakh News. There are some great news sites where you can both watch um, the news as it plays out, but also read along. So it kind of helps both with your listening and your reading. Thank you, Stu and Katka. Um, okay, Chloe, I'm gonna unmute your microphone and then Felicia will get you to your question. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, cool. Thank you for answering all these questions. Um, but I was wondering uh, if the 2021 program is, has it been officially decided whether it will be virtual uh, or in-person already? Uh, no, we are still, we're following the advice of the university, so we are not yet sure if it's going to be in-person or virtual or uh, some hybrid format, but um, yeah, I definitely recommend subscribing to our newsletter for updates or um, the, either of our social media, or we have three social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, uh, because we will be updating it. Uh, as soon as we know that information, because I know everyone wants to know, but um, we're planning for right now for all possible outcomes. Okay, great. Um, then Felicia asks, um, alumni, what did you like most about the intensive language format? For me, I think just um, having the opportunity to learn so much in such a short time. Um, but also I think that there's the advantage there of since you're using it all the time, it sticks a little better than it might if you're in a class that's, you know, an hour a day once a week. Um, and so for me, I felt like having that experience and also kind of building um, community with the folks in the class were my favorite part. I totally agree with what Katka said about, you know, building community with people. Um, because like it, it, it's hard work, right? Um, that many hours a day, every day for two months, um, you know, and so everyone's kind of going through it at the same time, um, even if we're not studying the same languages. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities to kind of come together with other people. I mean, we all study somewhat similar things, right? We're all doing Central Eurasian languages. Um, so we're gonna have something in common, right? It's 
it's nice to kind of have access to people that are studying similar yet quite different things, um, you know, more so than you might find in your regular university programs. Um, everyone's kind of chosen to spend their summers this way, which is a great baseline for building friendships and colleagues, you know. Um, but as far as kind of the, another, another kind of aspect of that is how small the class sizes typically are. Um, you really get a chance to A, have great focus several hours a day from an instructor, which you might not get in a typical semester long university course. Um, but also you get to know everyone really quickly um, through some of the different types of events and lectures and things like that. Um, yeah, thank you, Matt. And I just wanted to say, Stu, I'll let you talk in just a second. Um, uh, we've, based on our experience with um, SESI in previous summers, we've decided to limit class sizes for 2021 from three students to six students. So you'll be in like a really small, tight knit class. Um, we, we did have some, uh, Kiaya, you were in a class of seven people, I think, last summer, which was maybe just a little, a, a little big for a class, but um, uh, yeah, so we, we're learning from our experience, but I'll let Stu talk now. Um, I, I don't want to piggyback and just take up uh, useless time with me, you know, filling the air with my breath, but what I want to really reiterate on is, I don't mean to come off crass, but in a standard college environment, sometimes you come across people who are taking a language just because they have to. Uh, meaning they, they won't really show like a really high degree of enthusiasm or some kind of penchant for really seeing what they have to offer to the community, but what gives back. SESI is not like that at all. I've done this program three times and every single time I can honestly say that I am genuinely amazed and impressed by the people around me, by what they can offer you, the kinds of insights they can give you for your research, and everyone wants to be there. It is very easy to make the most of it if you put the effort into it. And the teachers and the people who put the community together, they'll teach you everything from how to interpret humor in your target language to things like slang, movies, music, um, different research opportunities for kind of text you would be looking into. Everyone in this community really wants to make this happen. It, it really feels like it's um, something that no one really is kind of going through the motions with any of this. It's, it is exhausting. <laughs> it is very, very tiring, but it's something that you really feel like you're getting pound for pound what, what you signed up for, um, as, as, as taxing as it may be. You feel like you really come out with a lot, especially uh, if you look at Central Asia, Soviet, East Asian, that kind of niche interest, you really do have a new multiple new perspectives on what you can do with research because you took a look at identity and language um, kind of like a step further. Um, so it's not just a, an academic edge, but a competitive one too, because you can access a whole new slew of information. Yeah, and just adding on to what Stu said, um, in addition to the courses, uh, SESI has a lecture series, a uh, weekly lecture series on Thursdays, and many of the lectures we provide them, uh, provide you with a directory of their information after the program, and they are uh, really enthusiastic about connecting with uh, other people who are studying and researching 
in Central Eurasia. So um, uh, that's another, it's got a networking benefit. And I see we have another question. Okay, hello, how did your experience with SESI help you in your future careers endeavors? I'm trying to figure out what kind of direction I can go in with my genuine passion. And I would like to know more from people who have gone through with theirs. When I started with um, Uzbek this summer, I had no idea how I would use it or if I would use it. It was mostly just my interest in languages. Um, but through the whole process, I really learned a lot of the opportunities that can come out of these kinds of languages in the Central Asian context. And so right now I'm actually working on translation projects of poetry and I'm continuing my thesis work related to the Uzbek language. And I'm also looking at, you know, um, after my graduation, looking at PhD options or different career options that would involve um, language use and this kind of knowledge that I've learned here. So I think um, even if you don't know at the beginning, you do discover a lot in the process. That's really, um, really valuable. And kind of piggybacking off of that with, you know, I'm also looking at applying towards um, PhD programs right now. And coming in with language training already done, um, really gives you a major competitive edge when applying. Um, it's gonna make a lot of you know, scholars or programs a lot more interested in working with you because you've already demonstrated, A, you're not gonna be spending time trying to nail down language, you've already proven that you can, right? Um, and it you know, demonstrates to pretty much any field that, again, you, you chose to spend your summer doing this. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's a really tangible um, kind of representation of your enthusiasm that a lot of people will look upon accordingly. Um, and, you know, just, uh, just the demonstration that you are serious about this, right? Um, and not just as, uh, you know, not just a passing interest or, you know, something that you're actively dedicated to. I don't see any field where that wouldn't be a benefit. If I, um, I just want to add one small thing. Um, while the academic and competitive advantages uh, and the research opportunities as everyone had stated before me, um, just to make one more comment, um, if you are applying for certain jobs that might be, for example, if you're looking for the State Department or if you're looking for other jobs that might not necessarily pick you for a specific language that you know, because they might send you or want to send you, for example, somewhere that you don't really know anything about. Um, but SESI, not only does it give you the knowledge that you need, but it also really gives you a good skill that is marketable, that shows uh, potential employers, for example, that um, it's not necessarily what languages you know, but your ability to not become an expert, let's not use that term, but to really get to um, a desired level or the necessary level of proficiency in a language in a, a given slot of time. Uh, not only is that an advantage for academic pursuits, but in the professional world showing that um, through this kind of intensive experience, you're, you're capable of holding all of that down and accomplishing that. Um, and SESI is a very ideal framework for doing that, coming as someone who's done the live version and the online version. I really agree with everything that was already said. I don't know that I have much to add, but I think language experience can always um, really help you in your future, whether you know what you want to do or not. Some, something else to add to beyond the, you know, uh, specifics of language experience, then the networking opportunities obviously um, are huge. Um, you know, between, you know, I'm still in contact with my instructor and uh, we talk occasionally, um, you know, about 
new opportunities or ideas, um, ways to kind of use the language instruction or, you know, things in the region that might be interesting. Um, you know, I still talk to several students that I met through SESI, um, you know, sharing research or opportunities, things like that. So, you know, the, the networking aspect itself um, is super beneficial also. One of the things we're working on now too, with a new pandemic life, uh, we are working on strengthening our online community for SESI as well. Um, just better chances for current students and alumni to interact with each other. So we will be um, creating a new, SESI uh, LinkedIn is soon to come. And um, hopefully some other, we're looking into uh, various options for stronger online community as well. Um, do we have any other questions right now? If not, then I have a question for you all. Um, what was your favorite aspect of SESI? I know you've kind of answered this already, but if anyone has anything to add, um, or what advice do you have for prospective students? I'm happy to start. I think I kind of said already that one of my favorite aspects was the community building. And I think both in person and online, um, in person, we did a lot of cooking together. So we made some sauce, we made um, bread, we made all kinds of different food. Um, but online, in the absence of that, we ended up doing a lot of singing together. And I think that just the kind of community that those things uh, build is really valuable and kind of lets you know folks on a level that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise. And uh, I would say that studying um, these kind of less commonly taught languages can be really lonely, um, especially if you're in your home institution or workplace, no one has an interest in that. And so just getting involved in the community who is really passionate and is really kind of active in learning these languages and cultures um, is really special in and of itself. And uh, for me, that was kind of the most amazing thing to see like, oh, wow, look at all these other students and professors from, you know, different corners of life and around the world coming together and sharing this passion. Um, like that was really amazing and inspiring. Um, if I just uh, may offer my two cents on this, sometimes when you take these kinds of academic pursuits, it can be extremely intimidating um, because sometimes, um, how can I put this? This is a very niche interest, not only academically or professionally, but just in general. Um, and it gives you such a sense of appreciation for when you find communities that really give you so much to do it, because it can be intimidating where, you know, your average student might just continue to study Russian or only focus on Russian literature, which is also wonderful. But when you take a step to find something that's a little bit off the beaten path where you can't really do it everywhere, it really gives you this kind of excuse me for the phrase, this Disneyland effect where you really get so enthusiastic about maintaining those connections that you make through these languages and people who are off are able to offer you your next steps along the way, network, think about research opportunities. Um, really don't be afraid to kind of love being a part of this community because it's, it's going to give you a lot back if you keep showing that you really want to do this. If you show the enthusiasm, you'll, you'll get it back tenfold. It might seem intimidating, but it, it's worth it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, what you you know put in is what you get out. Um, I think one of my favorite aspects was you know at a certain point where we all kind of get into our, our fields, um, you know, kind of increasing specialization, and you know you kind of start dealing with the same materials uh, consistently. 
And so I just think the, the opportunity to, you know, especially starting a language from kind of elementary um, is a really cool opportunity because as, you know, uh, a student that kind of is increasingly specialized in something, you don't really have an opportunity a lot of the time to start learning something completely new, um, you know, for anything kind of as, as you go into, you know, professional life or anything, just the opportunity to learn something completely new in an enthusiastic setting um, is a pretty cool opportunity just to, to start from square zero in some cases. That's how I was with Tajik. I had zero experience with the Tajik language, very limited understanding of kind of the culture and history. Um, and just to be able to be in an environment where this is all completely new information is a lot of fun. Thank you. It looks like we have another question. Thank you, everyone. For those who experienced SESI online, how was your experience like online for SESI and how did it look like for you on a day-to-day -day basis? Question. Oh, and I also want to, <laughs> it looked like you clicked, yes. Um, I also want to add um, what would, it's just because we are still planning for SESI 2021, um, what would really, in an online environment, how would, what would you have wanted to thrive? like to, for you to thrive as a student, um, what uh, combination of asynchronous, synchronous, uh, yeah, so I'll let you answer now. Sure, so um, I would not say that the difference, uh, it is far and away not a deal breaker for an online learning experience for languages. Um, the SESI community did an absolutely wonderful job through the summer of 2020. I was extremely happy that I was able to join for a third time. I was in shock and I was very happy that I got to kind of see the difference between in-person versus online uh, learning. It was a lot, it was a very good mix of asynchronous and synchronous activities. Uh, we had about four and a half to five hour classes, Monday through Friday. And I would probably say, depending on the day or the lesson, it would be around like maybe one to one and a half hours of asynchronous activity, meaning we'd read something or practice uh, making a speech, et cetera. And then we'd come back into breakout rooms or with the big classroom and we would discuss it and kind of have a little bit of shaking up. We would have different partners every day. It is doable. Um, it might sound, I don't know how dry I'm making it sound, but I, it, it actually isn't that way in practice at all. Um, sitting behind a computer can get taxing. Um, make sure to do your wrists and carpal tunnel exercises because it, it does get a little uh, nuts. But um, all in all, one thing I would say that's really good, uh, like a plus for SESI in terms of like what I'd like to see thriving, take advantage of the fact that while you still might be online, there are still plenty of people who are more than willing to kind of make community building events. Uh, SESI did a bunch of panels and presentations and invited scholars and speakers to come give presentations through, well, they didn't, they e-invited them uh, to give Zooms, et cetera. And those are more than worth, uh, for those of you that were talking about like you wanted to follow your passions or figure out what you wanted to do with them, that is almost like a ready-made, made-to-order experience for you to kind of get some ideas going in your head and talk to people who will kind of see the potential in what you want to do and the passions that you'll evoke just by talking to them. SESI is not just kind of, it's not like a canned language experience. They're very much about tailoring this to what students want. Take advantage of that. Say, who would like to Zoom and have an hour-long Friday session where we just, uh, I remember with Gulnisa uh, Hanam and uh, my Kazakh teacher, Gulnara, we would speak Kazakh and Uyghur 
between the students back at each other. And we would laugh because we could understand each other and learn new vocabulary words. And we did that just for fun because that's what the community is, but it was, it was good practice. Those things are still possible in an online um, environment. Um, I, I just want to add something about the online learning and a potential you know, challenge that I'm sure everyone has already faced is the importance of having a private space um, for studying. You're studying for you know, four hours a day in the class and you know, longer for your homework and things. And it's really important to have a very comfortable, quiet place to do your work. Um, and for me, you know, this was something that I hadn't had prepared beforehand. So I was doing my SESI classes in my living room with my whole family around for the first, I think, three or four weeks. And then finally, I got a private space set up. So I just want to kind of emphasize how important that is as well to kind of um, giving your brain this, the room to function properly and the space for you to like, you know, talk to yourself if you have to or listen to some songs or videos um, and not really bother anyone else around you. Thank you. It looked like Katka, did you want to add something? Oh yeah, I was just going to add to what Stu was saying. Um, one thing that our class did was we would meet one evening a week for tea and just chat. And I felt like that was a really great way, um, like I said earlier, to build community, but also just to practice the language skills. So it was less about kind of like drilling and learning and more about just being together and using the skills that we had. That's even more amazing considering uh, your instructor was in Kazakhstan. <laughs> I didn't really, I, I can't imagine what uh, Rashan's schedule must have been like. Yeah, so we waited until um, like 10.30 p.m. Central Time so that it would be morning for her. Um, and then it, it worked out that way. That's fantastic, I love that. Uh, do we have any more questions? Otherwise, um, we since we do have Felicia Lucht here, I don't want to put you in the spot, Felicia, but if you want to use this opportunity to talk a little bit how SESI functions within Wifley, um, I'd be happy to turn the floor over, give you the mic. Okay. Hi, Felicia. Hi, everybody. It's great that uh, to have you here on a Saturday and so wonderful to see the alumni again. Uh, yes, so SESI is one of five summer language institutes at the University of Wisconsin this summer. And this last summer, at the end of the summer, we had 367 students who are participating across the board. And one of the nice things is that you have not only the immediate SESI community of learners, but you become part of a larger cohort of less commonly taught language learners. And one of the events we had last year and what we're also planning for 2021 was our less commonly taught languages career fair. Uh, which allowed people to interact with a number of uh, different organizations and individuals uh, about uh, careers and professional development opportunities in government, in private sector work, and uh, just opportunities to continue studies and uh, get uh, study abroad experiences. And that's something that benefits all of our learners. So I think that's one of the big pluses of having all of our institutes working together is there's times when uh, one institute may be having an event that is also of interest to another institute. And so we're able to then expand what we're offering to uh, all of our participants and just the fact uh, the opportunity to interact with everyone, I think is really beneficial. Thank you, Felicia. And um, I also recommend staying uh, tuned into 
what Wisley has going on because I think Wisley will have a lot of informational events coming up. They will, I think, will be doing an open house that may feature more alumni in the near future. Um, and also with the Wisley Tuition Scholarship, that's a great funding opportunity. Um, so definitely follow them for updates as well about when that scholarship opens, when the deadline is due. And I really wanted to thank uh, all of our attendees um, today for coming and joining us and learning about SESI. And I wanted to thank our panelists. Uh, we really appreciate all of the alumni being here today. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. Uh, it's great to see your faces. And then um, I wanted to let you all know, and maybe um, we'll see you again in the future. Over winter break, as Emily mentioned, we will be having a application information session. And this will be talking specifically about how to create a competitive application, not just for SESI, but for some of these Title VIII uh, and FLAS fellowship for, for these funding opportunities. Um, and what the funders are kind of like look what they're kind of looking for in their application so it's just kind of uh it'll be another information session we can answer any questions um but that will be more in depth about just applying to the program um and emily can you throw up the slide with our follow information again okay yes yeah. so um again if you want to find more information about sesi um, you can visit our website, sesi.wisc.edu. Follow us on Instagram at Twitter at UWSESI or on Facebook at um, Sessie Madison. Um, this is a great way to stay updated. And also um, there is, again, the place where you can enter your, um, your email address on our website and receive email updates about new information from Sessie. Uh, and as this uh, past, as 2020 has been a year in flux in general, um, we expect a lot of information that is not available to now to be available in the near future. So that's a great way to stay updated. Uh, if anyone else has any questions now, uh, we would love to answer them. But otherwise, uh, thank you again for being here. And um, please reach out if you would like to know anything else. Okay, so I think we will wrap up then. Uh, thank you everybody for being here and have a great rest of your Saturday.